Welcome to the Kew Gardens Festival of Cinema interview series with directors of uh, some of our films. I am John Fallon of the Indie Film NYC podcast. Uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself for me. I'm Rosa Costanza, and I'm the creator of the Xing Project. I'm the screenwriter, I'm the director of the short film, and I'm also the producer. Great. And so do you know when your film is screening? My film screening tomorrow at the Kew Gardens Cinema at 1 p.m. in the programming block. And it's uh, wedged in between two feature films. Oh, great. Awesome. So you're part of a nice little block there. Um, so tell me a little bit about what your film is. What is Xing? Yeah. Um, Xing is the story of a young woman who wants to be a house music DJ. And it's set in early 90s New York City. And to follow her dream, she enters the club underworld selling ecstasy. Nice. And so what was the genesis for this project? Why, why did you decide to tackle this? Well, this is personal subject matter. I tried to be a house music DJ in early 90s New York City. I didn't sell ecstasy, but I just thought, you know, you need some drama and conflict in a film, and let's sure. make it happen. <laughs> Very nice. And uh, so you, you did the whole th film yourself. You produced it, directed, wrote it. Uh, wh uh, what was that process like, tackling it by yourself? Well, well, first I should say that I had a team, cast and crew and extras and everybody on set that participated that were about 60 people. Okay. So even though I was the producer, I had also production help. I had four other team members for production. I had um, a wonderful director of photography, Eric Forcell, who I've worked with for about 14 years on and off. Mm. And so we were really like family. Like I really got friends and favors all over the place, including... Um, because I live in Los Angeles now, I was able to find a warehouse space in downtown LA to simulate being in New York. And so the majority of this film, though it takes place in New York, is set and shot in LA, uh, you know, as we sure. do. Um, and that's why for kind of uh, location establishing, I have that archival footage of New York at the top of the film. Oh, okay, great, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so the film's very visual. You know, there's uh, a lot of graphic elements to it. Uh, what, what kind of inspired the look of the film? So um, in my imagination, when somebody's in an altered state, like in a club, in club world, you mm -hmm. know, or rave parties, then um, the way that they perceive the world changes into a kind of animated or caricature or you know just hyper realistic mm -hmm. so a lot of my inspiration comes from hyper realism the use of saturated colors and the mix-up of animation with principal photography that was really um, uh, along with some d different visual motifs that was really my goal to achieve that combination and so what uh, thematically, how, what are you hoping people are going to take away from this experience? Well, so what's happened, um, you know, because I've had this film in 10 festivals okay. and we've won three awards already. And I've had that wonderful feedback that comes from people seeing the work. So mostly what people take away from it is that oh, this is really what it's like in a party. <laughs> and that feeling of, you know, you're in this hyper-reality and your senses are a bit altered, as is the lead character. So that feeling um, was what I wanted to impress on people because that's the place I can take somebody visually through cinema and using the tools of sound and music included with the visuals and synthesize an experience for, you know, for the audience. Sure. So that, that was the, the main takeaway. And the secondary takeaway is... 
oh wow this girl's really got moxie she's trying to like come up through this underground world you mm -hmm. know so that that's the other takeaway and that's the main theme with um this short film is a slice of a feature-length screenplay i wrote of the same name so okay. this short film has helped um promote my project in development and i'm currently in development with the feature Oh, nice. So you're taking this character to bigger, better places. Yeah. So th I wrote the feature length script first and then I just sliced out a piece of it and made the short film as a proof of concept. Sure. Yeah. That's a great uh, method that a lot of people are using these days. Uh, so is she intended to be an inspirational character or what's uh, is, is she? I, I know you said you kind of base it off yourself a little bit, mm -hmm. but what uh, what are you trying to say? Yeah. What is 90s you mm -hmm. saying to 2017 mm -hmm. America? You know, I think really the biggest theme that I work with in the character and character development, I, I call dependency versus independence. And so this is um, established in different ways. And for young people, it, it mostly occurs in when do I leave my parents? When am I independent of my parents and their rules and their home? And, you know, so that's one layer of the theme. And then another layer is that um, when I was growing up, and it's still true today, there's a lot of drug use around and in the environment. And so that's dependency. Mm -hmm. You know, so when does somebody choose to go into that kind of uh, usage, dependency, into recreationally or otherwise, versus being independent of a need for a substance. Mm -hmm. And that could be alcohol as well as drugs. You know, So sure. those are also like big themes for young people. They're big themes for anybody. Yeah. Um, but that is in that core theme. You see the, the young woman who's the mm -hmm. protagonist, and she's selling ecstasy. Well, that's not what she wants to do. She wants to be the DJ. The music represents independence and that feeling of your inborn talent, what occurs within you know the character's struggle is does she go the underworld drug route or does she you know fight to have a spot on the stage right. and that's the conflict that's the main tr conflict for her yeah so i mean i think any film that especially when the main character is you know dealing with drugs in any sort of way i, I feel like there's a fear of glorifying that how did you avoid making that you know the, the point yes that's a, it, you know such a good question because um a lot of people and especially because I, I come from the underground dance music culture i grew up in it and i love you know house music techno music and um and to see how that scene has evolved in the last few decades mm -hmm. um one thing that i noticed hadn't evolved was the conversation around recreational drug use right. which basically no one should deny exists you know, let's just start with we're not denying that this exists. Right. And then the second thing is, nor should it be glorified, like you said. So if we're not glorifying what exists and we're talking about the reality of it, then what we should see is um, setting boundaries around, you know, that dependency, abuse, mm -hmm. that that layer that, you know, basically makes people fall into um, a trap in their own lives that maybe they can never escape from mm -hmm. versus what makes somebody... Um, maybe just experiment as a lot of young people do and then get out of it and go right. been there done that so that's where it's not glorified that's where it's a realistic look at this happens this, you know people take pills just like they drink a drink mm -hmm. and so let's just talk about what is and how do you make it not glorified well within my larger story you see her friends try to persuade her not to behave in this manner and you see the toll that it takes on people around her. There's um, 
consequences. So that's the way it's not, you know, it's like otherwise, you know, in, in American pop culture and there's so many different films or TV shows that have, you know, drug themes. Mm -hmm. um, It's really tough not to go into that like glorification of lifestyle. Right. right? So we don't do that. I don't do that in this. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you've probably known people too who go just a little bit too far and, and those stories are, are really tragic. I mean, you, you know, they could be tough to deal with on a personal level, even though it's not you who is the addict or, or has gone too far. But, you know, culturally in 2017, we have this huge opioid crisis. So, you know, I think all those themes are very important. You know, the fact that you're doing uh, kind of what was more popular in the 90s doesn't really matter, you know, because it's the, the method isn't you know the addiction addiction is addiction right yeah and and the tough thing is that you know writing a film and really this film is set in a specific music culture Mm -hmm. and it's really music heavy and it's about the music but it's a film it's drama Mm -hmm. so the drama and the need for drama and conflict to drive story drive plot and drive character development is really why i added what to me is a very real layer and also uh, gives me a chance to take, um, let's say, social responsibility mm-hmm. because I also grew up with a lot of people who um, had opiate addictions mm-hmm. or had alcohol addictions sure. or like been in the program. And so that exposure to it and especially seeing people who you know and love from childhood who don't escape from that, um, that was another one of my um, really big inspirations to be very candid Mm. but really the overriding inspiration above that what I'll say is the antagonist and the plot and the conflict uh, driver is showing this amazing music and the music and the culture around dance music which is people want to go dance Mm -hmm. that's that is the protagonist the positive the optimistic the independent somebody feeling great on the dance floor they don't require a substance they just require to get out there and dance you know and that endorphin is a substance too but that's you know that's something that is yours right sure yeah yeah yeah. I, i mean i think that's what strikes me too is that it's just uh you know the power of the music really comes through and uh of of the short so i'm really interested to see the transition into a into a full-length feature well thank Um, you we have an amazing team that's being put together for the music specifically we have some real industry insiders and people who were um very important in the genesis of dance music in the late 80s early 90s music producers and djs who keep that um culture and the heritage uh alive and that are willing to contribute to my project as a platform to show people who are EDM, who are like, you know, the the new school, let's say, where it came from. And so really that's my big goal with the feature film is to give a chance for the second generation of dance music and and raver, you know, um, to see like, here's where it came from because now it's a totally different scene. Now it's hundreds of thousands of people and big festivals in Las Vegas and you know, it's just huge and it's actually a $7 billion industry on this planet now. So it's, you know, it's exponentially grown obviously in the last 20 something years. Um, But that doesn't mean the music is necessarily better, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's different. And Mm -hmm. it's like, but now there's this wonderful range of the music, just like there's a wonderful range in the audience of ages and 
you know, geographic origins. And so it's like a really cool time, I think, for me to have a project that shows that and especially being from New York shows that like here's how it came up in New York, for example, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, kind of uh, to help other filmmakers, maybe. Mm hmm. You you created the proof of concept, so now you're you're trying to bring this to a bigger level. You know, tell me a little bit about how that process worked for you. That maybe could help somebody. Did, did they just start approaching you after seeing films? Okay. How are you pushing that? Yes. Yeah. No. It's a really it's a really great question. I'm happy to share. So, um, I first of all spoke to other friends of mine in the film industry, and I said, you know, if I um, submit to film festivals and this is our precedent route right you make a okay. short film you submit to festivals you try mm -hmm. to get some attention right. um how many should i submit to and my friend said well how many festivals would make you happy i went well you know if i got into eight or nine you know ten like that'd be amazing he said it's a 10 percent ratio for film festival submissions and you have to submit to premier level festivals. You have to submit to secondary festivals that don't require premier status. But he said, schedule it out. Look at the festivals you think your film would be a good fit for and be strategic about it because it's money. You want to get in 10 festivals, submit to 100 festivals and think big all the time. And I went, okay. So I made my little spreadsheet and I submitted to film festivals. And um, the, the really big deal is that premier status. So, you know, being strategic about that that, well, I had my film international premiere in Cannes, and Cannes is one of the, if not the, preeminent film event for independent filmmakers. Um, so just having that presence in Cannes in France was amazing. So when I was there, I networked my butt off, and I had, you know, postcards, and I went and I postcarded everybody and invited them to my screening. I probably personally handed out over 200 postcards. Do the legwork. Meet people. Like, that's the, if, if there's one piece of advice, I'd say, look, as a screenwriter, I'm used to sitting with my laptop, you know, or with uh, my editor, and you're in your little dark creative cave. Well, come out of the cave, get some postcards, and go and, you know, press the flesh and meet people, because that's the way things are going to get done. So handed out 200 postcards in France. I had a packed screening, and I had, uh, from that experience, um, as of today, and, and really because of, like I'm saying, doing that legwork, making noise, letting people know I've got something going on, I now have a production company offering us executive producer services that will help us create a package for film finance. Mm -hmm. And I have a talent agency interested. And I have um, music industry executives who are interested. And that's all as a result of people... You know, seeing that I was making some noise, then sure. saying, wait, hold on, you're in Cannes in France? That's amazing. So just well, keep doing it. It helps that you have a visually, visually exciting movie with uh, some great music and a you know, wonderful you. actress. So I'm, su I'm sure that doesn't hurt. Yeah, <laughs> no, thank you. And it's true. If there's, if, if there's any other way to get your film to stand out from all the other good creative work out there, it's um, have some proper marketing put mm -hmm. into it and do some really cool visual graphics and you know, have, have that marketing material stand out. So you're right. I mean, I have a little bit more of an edge because dance music is a pop culture. Mm -hmm. So that appeals to people who like, say, go to clubs or, you sure. know, like the, like the music. But um, whatever the, your film is and whatever your theme is, 
dig into the most controversial, the darkest, the most conflict-heavy place and do not shy away from using that. Be bold in your graphics and colors and in your message because these days people are saturated. And so if you want to be timid at any point, you're not going to get there. That's some great advice. Yeah. So, well, I want to thank you so much for being part of the uh, inaugural year of the Kew Gardens Festival of Cinema. And I'm uh, so happy to be part of it. Thank I'm you. I'm sure uh, people are going to love this and uh, can't wait to see uh, the bigger and better version, too. Yes, the feature film coming out soon. Okay, thanks so much. <laughs> thank you.